You guys may not know this, but before I worked at Creekside, I knew a little bit about Creekside because I went to the seminary that was right behind here. Yeah, actually my first encounter with Creekside was having to go to the bathroom. Uh, our janitor staff, they're awesome. They let me use the restroom. But with that said, I went to Western Seminary, a seminary that equips the saints for the work of the mission field. And I want to share a story about something that had happened in a class that has continually come up in my own life as a pastor. I had a professor once ask our class this question. Do the Ten Commandments still apply today? The Ten Commandments that God gave us within the first five books of the Bible, the Torah, the commandments that God gave to help his people live holy lives. Do those Ten Commandments still apply today? You would be surprised to know that our class full of saints getting ready for the mission field were not unanimous in where we landed on this question. In fact, there was an argument slash debate that broke out in class over the fourth commandment. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. This idea of the Sabbath is mentioned in the very beginning pages of Scripture the very beginning pages. How could we debate this? In the Jewish tradition, the Sabbath is a 24-hour period of time in which you do nothing but rest and delight in the rest of God. People in my class believe that that Sabbath wasn't necessary anymore. In fact, I remember, but obviously this was a little bit ago, <laughs> Some people basically saying that there is no read of the need of that kind of rest anymore. And like I said, I've thought about this a lot as a pastor now. I've thought about how there have been so many times in the last five-ish years that I have felt like I'm headed towards burnout. Where I have felt so weary and exhausted and just like, no, you have to push. You just have to keep going. And then I think about the times that I actually take a Sabbath rest. I think of how when I rest on the Sabbath, it actually gives me strength for the rest of the days in a week. And yet when I don't Sabbath, I know it's harder for me to be present with people. It's harder for me to show grace and mercy and love to my wife and kids. The Sabbath is not something we can just write off because it's in the first half of the Bible. We can't just write it off because it's one of the Ten Commandments. In the Bible, God gives his people the Ten Commandments not to control them. God gives us commands to provide the best way for his people to live and rest in him. And interestingly enough, this graphic doesn't do this justice, but out of all the Ten Commandments, the fourth one about Sabbath is the longest one. So why would a class full of seminary students 
have a debate about this direct command and about the rest of the commands. Well, if we're truly honest with ourselves, we're not much different. Let's be honest. We may understand that we shouldn't worship any idols. We may understand that we shouldn't kill or murder is the actual word there. We shouldn't commit adultery. We shouldn't steal. We shouldn't lie. Like, we get those ones. But a day where we rest for an entire day, that, you know, that's a little hard for us. But the commandments aren't something that should be foreign to us, but they are. Because we live in a cut culture of hustle. This is our lives every single day. We are a consumer hustle culture that loves the material and digital world. We live in a culture of hustle, consumption, and work, and hurry, and it takes up every single day of our lives. Our lives are so consumed with input and noise that we don't recognize that out of the seven days in a week, God is asking us for one. Are we willing to do this for God? Are we willing to put our phone aside for 24 hours? Because I know when I sit in my chair that looks out our window, out our front yard, we live near Ike Middle School, I see these kids walking to school. One, it's terrifying because there are a lot of fast cars on that road. But two, it's terrifying because kids are this. The entire time. One, I have no idea how nobody got hit by a car. Two, there are beautiful trees in our neighborhood. I have a creek in my backyard with a bunch of oaks. And these kids are missing what's right in front of them. But we are not different. I know what some of you do at stoplights, okay? I know what I do at stoplights too. I have an urge to look at my phone. Why do we have that urge? Do we not understand how dangerous that is? Have you guys been driving on 65 and look over and the person passing you? Don't lie, you're speeding too, which means they're going faster than you. They're looking at their phone as they're going. And 65 is a little straight, so maybe that'll be fine. But this is dangerous. We constantly want input in our lives all the time. Do we ever really consider what this input might be doing to us, though? Do we consider the fact that we are called to be in the world but not of the world? When we look at our own lives, do we actually spend a day a week resting and delighting in God? A day where we pursue joy instead of consumption. A day where we cease from work and our wants. A day to rest and delight and find joy in the very people around us. The art of Sabbath leads us to the art of rest, delight, and joy. Sabbath is an act of defiance in a culture and age where hustle and hurry is our God's. And I believe that is, that this is a way of life that we must adopt to combat the cultural moment we find ourselves in. We must look to God for rest to enter into the Sabbath. Now we as Christians, I'm going to be honest with you guys, uh, we don't respect the Old Testament the way we should, the first half of the Bible. A lot of us, 
kind of just like the last half because, you know, Jesus, Paul, woo, great stuff. But what we don't understand is the Old Testament is what points us to the New Testament. The Old Testament makes us understand how broken and lost we are and how much God never stops running after us. And so I want us to actually look at a New Testament passage that brings up the Sabbath, and then we're going to look at the Old Testament and see why a New Testament passage would tell us to remember the Sabbath day. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Hebrews 4, and we're going to look at verses 8 through 13. Hebrews 4, 8 through 13. It says this, For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest also has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest, so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. This is in the last part of the Bible. Do you see how thin this side is? So if this is telling us to remember the Sabbath day in verse 9, there must be something before this that shows us the grandeur of the Sabbath. And when we look at this section in verse 10, we see that God himself is the example of this rest. God did this. In the first couple of pages of scripture, we see in Genesis that God created for six days and then rested on the seventh. That is what we are invited into. For six days, we honor God with our work. But on the seventh day, we honor God with our rest. We see throughout the scriptures how God's people are invited into this rest over and over again. They are invited to the very presence of God. And yet they and we, as it says, fall into disobedience. It's no wonder that the start of verse 11 says, let us therefore strive. Let us run after it because it's something we have to strive for. It's not easy. And I want us to remember that our faith is sealed in what Jesus did on the cross for us. When we accept Jesus into our life, our faith and life is sealed. But when we do the spiritual practices, it gets us in a mood of sitting before God to be transformed by him. It is resting that reminds us of who God is. Taking a Sabbath is an act of relational trust. When we rest in God, we grow in our trust of God. We learn that we can trust his very word. Here we see that his word is living and active. It's sharper than anything, piercing the very soul and thoughts and intentions. How can the word do this? Well, John 1 tells us, for the word became flesh and dwelt among us. 
The very word of God from Genesis all the way to here is talking about how the word is Jesus, our need for Jesus, how Jesus is the one that penetrates our souls and changes us from the inside out. Jesus is our pathway to get in a place where we are before a loving God. A God that wants a relationship with you. We are not hidden from his sight. We are all naked and exposed. And yet this God that sees every little dark thing that we have ever done and are going to do and are still doing wants a relationship with you. He loves you. He wants you to come to him and rest in him no matter what you are doing because he loves you. And he invites us into a Sabbath rest. A rest of relational trust with the creator of the universe. So Lord, before we dive into the rest of the scripture we'll look at today, I must confess I'm one of the people that have been disobedient with this. I have not always kept the Sabbath holy, Lord. In fact, I'm tired today because I haven't. Forgive me, Lord. I pray that through this sermon you would show me and everyone else in here the importance of one day a week with you, Lord. One day to do nothing but sit and delight and find joy in your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Before we dive into the art of the Sabbath, I just want to take a moment to say good morning. Good morning. Good to see you all. My name's Nathan. I'm one of the pastors here at Creekside. Our head pastor is on a sabbatical right now, and we have been in a sermon series called The Art of Being, all with the desire to create space for Jesus. In fact, we've talked about how this series is about inviting you into a process of intentionally cultivating space to be with Jesus, to be transformed by Jesus, and to then live the way Jesus lived. To do this, we will have to learn the art of the Sabbath. When I talk to many followers of Jesus about the Sabbath, many of their first responses is, isn't that just a Jewish custom? Yes, the Sabbath is a Jewish custom. But as followers of Jesus, Jesus is Jewish. So we should know the customs of our Jewish brothers and sisters because Jesus did some of those customs. And if we are meant to live like Jesus, we must learn the art of Sabbath. And what we have to understand, like I said, is it starts at the very beginning. In Genesis 2, we see the first mention of the Sabbath. Genesis 2, 2 through 3. Oh, I guess I should talk about that. Sabbath is in the Bible. <laughs> It's all over creation story. It's in the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. It's in the wisdom literature, um, the Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Job. It's in the rest of the Old Testament anytime we hear about delighting and resting in God. Read the Psalms and you'll understand that the Psalms are crying out to be in the presence of God, to sit in his trust, to just sit 
with him. That is a longing for the Sabbath. Jesus speaks to the Sabbath, and Hebrews reminds us of the importance of it. Now we're ready for Genesis 2, 2 through 3. It says this, On the seventh day God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. The first thing we can notice about this section is that our God leads by example. I do not believe the God of the universe actually needed rest. But he did it so we can see that we who are not infinite, we who are not all-powerful, we need rest. And God calls his people to this way of life, to a Sabbath rest on the seventh day. In the book Sabbath written by a Jewish theologian, it actually says that there are seven days of creation. We see the creation of the heavens and the earth and all that dwells in it on the six days of creation. But on the seventh day, we see tranquility, serenity, and peace created. Could it be that on the seventh day, God created rest? Could it be that the Sabbath made it into the Ten Commandments not to hinder us, but to show us how to be more like Jesus. Because in the Ten Commandments, we see that this command is the longest one. It's in the Torah. It's in Exodus and Deuteronomy. We see this very command there. We're going to look at the Exodus explanation of the Sabbath. Exodus 28 through 11 says this. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. God gives us this command to show us how to truly live. The Sabbath is a command that God demonstrated himself. It is through the Sabbath that we see how to truly rest, delight, find joy, and be still. In the Psalms, we see that it says, be still and know that I am God. We see these themes of rest, delight, joy, and being still all woven throughout the entirety of Scripture. But as we continue to read this story, as we continue to dive into this book, we see that humanity changes what God made for good into something that they think is good for themselves. We see it happen all the time where we as humanity and even ourselves make ourselves our own God. And yet, Time after time in this book and throughout our history, we see any time we do that, we're headed towards a doom. 
We're headed to burnout. We're headed to different things that make us collapse. But luckily, Jesus shows up on the scene. And like I said, Jesus had a lot to say about the Sabbath. But the amazing thing about Jesus is before he even responded to the religious people of his day about the Sabbath, he first spoke to rest. He wanted people to understand that he was coming to provide a rest that no one could ever understand. In Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30, Jesus says this, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Jesus calls those that believe in him to come to him to find rest. Jesus recognized that people were burdened, weary, and tired. Jesus eyewitnessed his Jewish culture, his Jewish brothers and sisters, making the Ten Commandments not a way of relationship, but making them religious and a ritual. But Jesus came and wanted to show us that that's not the point of the commandments. He wanted to show us that the commandments provide a way to get to God to rest in him. They are an act of a relationship, not a dictatorship. The Sabbath commandment is not about a law. It is about relational trust with the creator of the universe. That is what Jesus wanted to show us. That's why Jesus said that man was not made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was made for man. The Sabbath in Jesus' eyes was to create space for unity with God, creation, and one another. Jesus even teaches that he is the Lord of the Sabbath. That means that Jesus, the Prince of Peace, the Bread of Life, the Holy One of Israel, the Son of God, our Savior and Redeemer, is available to us if we simply stop. If we simply come to him. If we simply sit at his feet and rest in him. The Sabbath is about showing that Jesus really is the king of our lives, not us. And that is why Hebrews says there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Because when we enter into this type of rest, we recognize that Jesus Christ himself is available to us. When we learn to rest, trust, and abide in God's presence, our soul comes home. Our soul is refreshed and we are able to dwell in the presence of the Lord. This is what the Sabbath offers us. And we see that it is woven throughout the very fabric of this book. A God gave us the Sabbath so that we can find relationship with him. If you are weary and you need rest, learn to Sabbath. In the Jewish culture, the Sabbath started the night before the holy day. And why that night? Because what they would do is they would sit around a table with family and friends. They would read scripture and then they would delight in one another's company. 
and then the next day would start and they would simply just rest, sometimes away from everybody, but they would share meals together and delight and pursue joy in each other's company. See, the Jewish culture believed that the six days before the Sabbath were a pilgrimage to the Sabbath. They believe that the Sabbath gives life to those six days, but they also see that the Sabbath is needed because of those six days. Here's what Abraham Heschel, a Jewish theologian, wrote about in his book. He said, he must say farewell to manual work and learn to understand that the world has already been created and will survive without the help of man. Six days a week, we wrestle with the world, wringing profit from the earth. On the Sabbath, we especially care for the seed of eternity planted in the soul. The world has our hands, but our soul belongs to someone else. Six days a week, we seek to dominate the world. On the seventh day, we try to dominate the self. This is one of my favorite quotes from this book because it's just a genuine reminder that our soul belongs to someone else. It's a genuine reminder that six days a week we push it. We try to do everything we can. We try to dominate the world around us. We try to control everything we can. But it is a great reminder that on the seventh day we have to let go. We cannot control everything. You never will be able to. God is asking you to give up control of one day. The seventh day is holy, but it also leads us to the six other days. We, of course, should seek to abide and rest in Jesus not one day a week, but every single day of the week. In fact, the Sabbath should be more than just one day. It should be about the art of being. Being with God in every moment of the day when we're at work, when we're with our families, and when we sit in the beauty of his creation. The Sabbath may be one day a week, but it leads us to the six other days of the week. Because the art of Sabbath leads us to the art of resting, delighting, and joy. All the spiritual practices we have talked about so far are about creating space for God to do something. By simply observing the Sabbath, we are trying to enter the very rest of God. By simply being with Jesus, we can bring our heavy burdens before him and we will see that he does give us rest. We rest on the Sabbath rather than pushing for more. And it is in this rest that we are truly led to delight. We learn on the Sabbath that we can delight in the way things are and the gifts that God has given us. We do not need to seek control. There is so little in life that we control. We need to let it go and focus on what is right in front of us. Your family, your friends, enjoy them and delight in them. I know some of you have little kids. They are hard to delight in sometimes. But they will only be this age for a season. Learn to find joy in them. When we are able to enter that rest and the heart of delight, 
you will begin to see that what brings you joy is right in front of you and not anything you can earn. It's been there all along. We could all use a day like this. We could all use a Sabbath. A Sabbath that leads us to rest, delighting, and joy. And so this week we are asking a huge invitation of you. One that will not be easy at all. But we are inviting you to one 24-hour day of rest. To delight and seek joy. So this week, we want you to observe the Sabbath. And I know I say sun up to sundown. That's not really 24 hours. I get it. But that's what we're asking you to do. Do nothing but rest, delight, and pursue joy. A day to lay aside everything and simply be with God. Enjoy your family. Enjoy your friends. Eat a meal with them. Enjoy nature. Enjoy and delight in what God has given you. Like I said, this might not be easy. And some of our Sabbaths may be Saturday. It might be Friday. It may be a different day. But pick one day and do it. Invite people into it. And then after you do it, tell someone about it. Tell someone about how you gave an entire day to God and your soul came home. And like I said, this will not be easy. So in light of it not being easy, I want to give you five tips. The first tip is stop. Like a really simple tip, stop. But by simply stopping, you learn that you're giving up control of everything around you. You're trusting that God will continue to move things forward without you. Here's a little secret, and it's going to hurt a little bit. You're not as important as you think. I'm sorry to say. I love you, but there you go. Stop. Jesus often would stop and get to lonely places and pray, and that is how he rested. Rest. It is a place where we find peace and stillness. And this does not mean you're watching TV. This does not mean you are on your phone. In fact, I would encourage you to turn off your phone and your TV for the Sabbath. And find what actually makes your soul rest. The truth is you cannot be present on the Sabbath and be on your phone and your TV. You aren't present. And real life happens in the place of reality. Where we can truly experience what is fully happening in front of us. Learn the art of being by seeking ways to be present with God, your family, your friends, and yourself. What makes your soul come home? What is it that provides rest for you? Being present opens your eyes to the things that you have to be thankful for and to the things that we can worship God for. You can't have a Sabbath and not have worship. And I don't, I don't mean you just sit there and listen to worship music for 24 hours straight, okay? No, what I mean by that is if you see a family member, thank God for them. If you see a friend, thank God for them. That is an act of worship. Simply thanking God for the things that he has given you and the gifts that he has provided you, that's worship. 
say thank you, God, for providing six days where I can work. Thank you for the miracles that happened on those six days. Delight in what God has done for you. The Sabbath is an invitation to delight in your relationship with God, to delight in a relationship with your family, and to delight in your relationship with your friends. This is what we are called into. When we observe the Sabbath, we affirm that God is the center and source of our lives. He is the beginning, the middle, and the end. We can trust God to provide and care for us. The Sabbath is a rest that is unlike any other. It is a 24-hour period of time where our soul comes home. And the Ten Commandments may seem obsolete to some, but to me they are how we know what Jesus lived like. (laughs) To me, they're how we can center our lives And the Sabbath is a huge part of that. And so this week, we are inviting you to one day, one day, just one 24-hour period of time where you do nothing but seek rest, joy, and delight. Delight in the kids that drive you crazy sometimes. Delight in your friends. Delight in your neighbors. The Creator of the universe is worth spending one day a week with. And the creator of the universe is offering us rest, delight, and joy. So may we strive to enter into that rest. Lord, I pray I pray as the worship team has already said God, whatever burden we may be carrying, whatever weight, whatever sin, whatever hardship, whatever thought that we may have, that we would give it to you so we can enter into your rest. May we not be so stubborn that we're not willing to give you a day of the week to simply be in your presence and to delight in the very things that you have given us. Lord, I pray that our souls would come home that we would recognize that we are not the gods of our lives, but you are the King of kings and Lord of lords. You are the Prince of peace. May we follow your example. May we rest in your presence. May we recognize that your yoke is easy and your burden is light. I pray these things in your son's name. Amen.